So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to be concluding this week our greater series. Um, and, and we've kind of been looking, obviously, in John 14. It's been kind of our main verse uh, for the series. And so we're going to look at that again. John 14, 12 through 14. Here's what it says. Jesus is speaking to us. And he speaks a very challenging word here. He speaks something that kind of, if you listen to this and hear this, I don't know about you, but it kind of makes me take a step back and go, my goodness, God, you're really, this is something here. And this is what he says. It's very very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for this time. Father, I pray that as, as you... Speak through me to, to us, Father, that you would just help us to hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, there's, I, I, I just, as I was preparing this week and as I was looking at these things this week, um, the word, Father, that just kind of came to my mind that I wanted to just pray against right now is the word disqualification. Father, because I felt as we were looking at these that, that the enemy this morning, whether online or here, that people would feel disqualified for what this message is telling them. And Father, I speak against that lie from the enemy and say that is a lie from the pit of hell and we're not going to believe lies from the enemy. We are not disqualified from these words. We are qualified not because of who we are, but because of who you are and what you've done in us and through us. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak clearly this morning to all of us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know we've been looking at this verse, this, this John 14, 12, but again, as we kind of close this series out, I want to take one moment to look at a couple words in here just to remind you, because I know we've talked about it throughout the series, but again, it's just kind of heavy on my heart. In verse 12 here, we see something very interesting. We see a qualifier for what Jesus is going to say next. He says two words that, that help us understand who we are and what God's calling us to do. It says, it's the simple words, it's whoever, and then the second word right after that is believe. A lot of times we tend to try to disqualify ourselves from Scripture because we go, oh, that's, that's for the, I don't know if you, if you know what I mean when I say this, that, that's for the varsity team. You know, when I was in high school, you know, they had like a, a freshman team, and a, a, like a football freshman team, and then they had the JV team, and then they had the varsity team. And a lot of times in our Christian walk, for whatever reason, we tend to look at ourselves and go, oh, you know, th that, that scripture is speaking to the varsity. That's speaking to, to the pastors or, 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 or these really mature individuals. I, I, I'm just happy to be on JV. Well, this scripture doesn't say that. This scripture says anyone or whosoever believes will do these things. We'll have the opportunity to do what Jesus has been doing, but one step more, greater things than even he did. And so I want to speak again against that idea of, of disqualification. Well, that's not me. That's, that, that's somebody else. No, 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 no. If you believe, you have the ability, because Jesus is praying for you, interceding for you, not only to do the things that Jesus did, but to do even greater things than that. 
And it's an amazing thing when we can come to grasp with that. When we can understand our identity in Christ and know that, hey, hey, I am whosoever. And I do believe, therefore, this promise is for me. One of the things that I want you to get out of this entire series is these promises, these greater things God has in store for you and for me. Whosoever believes. Whosoever believes. Because of that, because of that, I want to give you something that I believe God has given to all of us, and that is an invitation to a greater calling. An invitation to a greater calling. Now listen, as a youth pastor, I heard this a lot. I heard people come to me, a lot of times youth obviously would come to me and say, Aaron, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what God has for me. What, what, what am I supposed to do? Should I, should, I, should I maybe go into the ministry full time? Or should I be an engineer? Or, or, or all these things. And it was all usually around calling. It was this, what, what does God want me to do? What is God calling me to and a lot of times we would have those discussions and, and I would say, well, let's, let's look at these things and unpackage these things and see what God is asking you to do and what God is calling you to be. But really, when you really break it down, I want to look at what I would consider to be in some ways the calling of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying the mission of Jesus, even though somewhat that kind of goes together here, but the calling of Jesus is very interesting. We're going to be in Luke 4. Now, in Luke 4, I want to give you a little context. Jesus here in Luke 4 has not really begun his public ministry. He's in basically his hometown. And so at the time, when you were a Jewish person, they would have synagogue, and people would come in, and different people would read from the scrolls and from the Torah and from the prophets and all these sort of things. And people usually would be invited to do that. So in Luke 4, Jesus is at his local synagogue. He's at his local body of believers. I mean, listen... If you don't think being in church is important, whether online or in person, listen, Jesus went to church. You get it? Jesus understood it was important to be with a fellowship of believers. And so Jesus is there, and Jesus basically gets up to read. Okay? And so that's where we're at. Again, before his ministry, he hasn't started it really yet, but we're looking at that in Luke 4. In Luke 4, 16 through 19, this is what it says. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Okay? Everybody get that? Jesus' custom was to be in church, to be with body of believers. It's very important. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We know that Jesus here in this moment begins to quote out of Isaiah. He begins to share this this scripture that basically God has, has placed him there. This idea that God's spirit is upon him. He has been anointed by God to do certain things. He's been called by God to begin to proclaim freedom. He's been called by God to share the good news. He's been called by God to heal. He's been called by God to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what he's been called to do. 
And we look at that scripture, and I know most of us know that scripture, but I want to kind of turn it on its head for a moment because I believe there's something deep about this scripture that most of us have missed. And that is, if that is God's calling on His Son, it is also His calling on His sons and daughters today. It is His call for you and for me. And I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, no, 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 that's talking about the Messiah. Listen, I understand what the prophecy was about. But the calling for you and for me is the same. Now that Jesus has gone and he is interceding for us, he is saying now it is your place, your calling to go. And you are anointed. You can, you can share those good news. You can proclaim freedom. You can be used by me to bring healing. You can be that one that makes a difference and proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, no, not me. I'm not on the varsity. I'm just, I'm on the freshman team, Aaron. You don't understand. I, I, I don't know the books of the Bible. I, I only know John 3.16. That's all I got. But you have a greater calling. You have a greater potential than you would ever possibly dream. Why? How do we know this? Look at Romans 8.11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It lives in you. Whosoever believes. He lives in you. When you go back and you look at the beginning of the prophecy in Isaiah, it says in verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. And listen, I know in a message when we talk about calling, and, and maybe this is just because I've been around this a long time, but, but there, there's people that start going, okay, uh, uh, okay, does that mean Africa? Does, does that mean Peru? Does that mean that I need to quit my job? All these things. Listen, that's not what this calling is about. All of us are called. You need to understand that. We have tended, unfortunately, in the church, and I would say in the last 30 so years, to push this idea of full-time ministry being a calling. A calling is what every single one of us has. No matter if we're a school teacher or an engineer or a doctor or a trash man. We are all called by God to do what we see in Luke 4. We are called by God to make a difference in the world that we find ourselves in. And so I'm not saying tomorrow you need to go to your work and quit. Do not do that unless God has been very, very clear to you. But I am saying that maybe some things need to change. Maybe some priorities need to change. This is in your notes. I really want you to get this. God may not be calling you to do something different but to do it in a different way, with a different purpose, with a different understanding, with a different end goal in mind, with a different focus. Maybe the calling is not to necessarily quit and stop doing what you're doing now, but to allow God to transform you into how you're doing it, to do it in a different way for him. It's important that we understand that. Now listen, I'm not saying that God won't come to you at some point and say, listen, I'm asking you to do this. And if he does, listen, be obedient. But I'm not telling you to do that. God has to tell you to do that. Because I believe very strongly that 
you guys have such an unbelievable potential in the place that God has already placed you in. I've said this before and I will continue to say it. My wife has an opportunity with people sitting in her chair, and maybe it's the sharp objects near their head. I don't know. But those people will open their lives to her in ways that I would dream of people opening their lives to me. Why? Because she has been called to do that. And she has been called, and I believe that many of you have done the same thing. You have taken that and you have said, you know what, I am called to, to proclaim the good news. I am called to proclaim freedom. And I can do that no matter where God has placed me. I've heard it said, you have a calling and you have a job. And sometimes those things will go together very seamlessly. Like for a lot of times people look at me and they go, that's how it works. And others doesn't seem to be so easy. But I promise you this, every place God has placed you, you can accomplish the calling that he's placed on your life. But it may cause you to do things a little bit differently. It may cause you to do things a little bit differently. What I want to do for the rest of the time is, is I want to look at a, a, a situation in the Bible where we see a man being called. And again, I understand that, that what he's called to may be a little bit different, but I think the principles that we see in this passage of Scripture can really help all of us to understand what God has asked us to do and that greater calling that we need to be pursuing. And so I want to look at some principles about our greater calling from a very short portion of Scripture found in 1 Kings 19. Now, before we read, I know it's up there, but before we read 1 Kings 19, I, I don't want to just, because it's going to kind of be one of these moments where it's kind of like you just get plopped in the middle of the story. So I want to give you a little bit of background here, okay? There is a prophet that most of you know. His name is Elijah, okay? Now listen, just so you know, throughout this message, I will mess up Elijah and Elisha several times, okay? So just know I'm trying to get it right, but I may say I'm wrong. They're too frustrating. One of these days when I get to hell, Elijah is a prophet of God. Right before we get to 1 Kings 19, uh, Elijah has this massive, uh, basically kind of, you know, major battle, if it was, between God and the prophets of Baal. And you, most of you know this story where, where he says, listen, all the prophets of Baal, you're going to show up on Mount Carmel and, and we're going to have it out. We're going to find out who God is and who God isn't. And so they, they build this altar, and he says, here's what we're going to do. We'll build an altar, we'll kill the animal, we're going to stick it on the altar, and then we're going to pray to our gods, and we're going to see who can send fire down from heaven and devour the sacrifice. And in, in, in the perfect you know, kind of way he lays it out, Elijah goes, you go first. <laughs> and so the prophets of Baal, man, they start going at it, and they're jumping up and down, and they're screaming and hollering, cutting themselves and doing all this. And Elisha, I mean, this is unbelievable. Elisha starts at least that I can see the first recorded smack-talking moment in history, at least recorded. And he begins to mock them. He begins to make fun of them. He literally says, you can look at it in Scripture, he says, maybe Baal is in the bathroom. Yell louder. So they yell more and more and more. No response, no response. Finally, Elijah says, enough of this nonsense. He builds an altar puts the animal on it. And then he's like, you know, just so we just know who God really is, he takes water and just begins to dump it. So there's literally a trough of water around the sacrifice. And he prays, fire from heaven, boom, 
comes down and not only devours the, the, the sacrifice, but the stones, the, it licks up the water around the trench. This is a major moment. But after that, Elijah begins to flee because the wicked queen Jezebel is after his, his life. So he runs, and he runs from her, and, and, and all these things are going on, and God begins to speak to him and deal with his heart. But during this time, God also tells Elijah, Elijah something else. He says, I want you to go find this man named Elisha, and he is going to be the person that follows you. Okay? So Elijah already knows what's going on, but Elisha has absolutely zero idea of what's about to happen to him. Now, let's pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, starting with verse 19. We'll read the entire couple of uh, verses, and then we'll come back and we'll look at it together. It says, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Verse number 20, or continue 20. Elijah responded, replied, go on back, but think about what I've done for you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. I want to look at some things here. I want to look at some principles that I think we can take from this story as we understand, as God helps us to see deeper um, the calling that he has. The first one is simple, but it's important. We have to start here. God has a greater calling for you. God has a greater calling for you, okay? Remember, not, not, the, just the, not what you consider to be the varsity, not the professionals, every single one. I want you to notice here, where was Elisha when Elijah found him? Was he in, was he in you know, prophet school? Was he working very hard? Was he, was he maybe studying the Torah? Was he memorizing the first five books of the Bible, which a lot of people obviously during that time did? No. He's simply plowing a field. That's what he's doing. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. A lot of us, we tend to disqualify ourselves because we think, well, I haven't prepared. I don't know. Listen, here's what's great about the calling God has for you. God literally says he'll put the words in your mouth through his Holy Spirit. But Aaron, I don't know. Listen, listen. Can you love on somebody? Can you tell them that I was once lost, but now I'm found? Isn't that what Jesus proclaimed in a lot of ways? Didn't Jesus proclaim, for those that are lost, you can be found in me? Listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't study God's word. You know me better than that. But what I am saying is God has a great calling for you. Don't disqualify yourself because you don't think you have been prepared. God has been preparing you for your calling and your greater calling from the moment you took your first breath. And God wants to use you 
to do mighty things. It doesn't matter if you just say, you know what, I'm just, I, I, but Aaron, I'm just, I'm just plowing my field. Well, good, good job. Absolutely. You should have been plowing your field. That's what God's asked you to do. You were faithful, catch it, you were faithful in the little things. So now God is going to give you bigger, greater things. He was plowing his field. He wasn't prepared, quote unquote, in his mind. But yet, God called him to have an awesome, awesome moment and an awesome calling. Number two, number two, and I, this is what I like to call having your mantle moment. Having your mantle moment. In this scripture, we see something interesting that, that if we don't know the context and we don't really know what's happening here, we can kind of miss some things. Now, obviously, I use the word mantle. If you look at like the, the King James or the New King James, which is kind of what I memorized a lot of these scriptures in when I was younger, uh, the word instead of cloak is mantle, but it's the same concept. During this time, if a prophet would come and he had this mantle, he had this cloak, and if he walked up to you and basically took off that cloak, and put him on you. That was a signifying thing of basically his prophetic ministry was being passed on to someone else. Elisha, this is isn't interesting. The scripture doesn't say, Elisha says, um, what was that? <laughs> I even love it because it's like the cloak goes on and then Elijah leaves. I mean, he's like plop and gone. And Elisha immediately knows he knows exactly that in that moment, everything in his life has just changed. We need to have a mantle moment in our lives where we understand not only that God has called me to greater things, but I will be used by him to do greater things. And unfortunately for some of us, we know the truth that God's called us, but we have yet to embrace the mantle of that calling. It's interesting to me that later on in the scripture, when Elijah is taken up to heaven in the whirlwind, Elisha asks for something very interesting. Elijah says, what do you want? It's found in 2 Kings. What do you want? He says, I want a double portion of your anointing. I want a greater anointing than you have. Now, that wasn't communicated. That wasn't basically saying, I want more. Not this idea of better, but greater. Do you realize there's a big difference between more, bigger, and greater? And what Elisha is, Elisha is asking for is a greater anointing. And what's interesting is he says, listen, if you see me taken, then that'll happen. And what's interesting, too, is he's taken. Guess what falls down that he goes and picks up? His mantle. The same cloak. And he takes that and he begins to work in his anointing. Work in his calling. Listen, hear my heart on this. Some of you have been saved a very long time. And you've heard it. You go, I know God's called me. But you need to start walking in your anointing. You need to start understanding that you had a mantle moment a long time ago. And it's time to begin to walk in your mantle moment that says, I can do great things because of what Jesus has done in me and through me. Have your mantle moment. Grab your mantle moment. Embrace your mantle moment because it will literally, literally change the hearts and the lives and the destiny of people around you. Take your mantle. 
and walk in your calling. Number three, number three, the idea of goodbye. The idea of goodbye. I'm going to read this one. All the scriptures that I'm using and kind of pulling these principles from are on your notes and they're on the screen. But I want to read this one uh, in 1 Kings 19.20. It says, Elisha left the oxen standing there and he ran after Elisha and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. And you know what I've found in, in my life and in the lives of others that I've talked with and ministered to? We have an issue at times with saying goodbye. We have, we have an issue at times with saying goodbye. It's like this, this idea that, that basically God is saying, i got great things, I, I've called you to great things, I'm going to use you to do great things, but, but, but we have a hard time saying goodbye. We have a hard time saying goodbye to, to our old life. We have a hard time saying goodbye to, to the way we have lived in the past. We have a hard time saying goodbye to our past, the things that we've done that maybe we know we shouldn't have done. Listen, to really walk in your calling, to really have a greater anointing that God has for you and for me, we need to learn to say goodbye to some stuff. And not like goodbye and I'll call you later, but goodbye to it. A lot of you walk in, uh, and I can just literally see in your face and in your, your body, just burden after burden after burden, and it's there because you have yet to say goodbye to your past. You say, but Aaron, you don't know what has been done to me. You don't know what I've done to others. And listen, I'm telling you right now, God has said, I've forgiven you. I've made you brand new. Though your sins were as scarlet, I have wiped them. They are as white as snow. And it's time to say goodbye. It's time to say goodbye. And what's so great about the way God operates is not only do we need to say goodbye to some things, but when we say goodbye, we also get to say hello to some things. We get to say hello to peace. We get to say hello to joy. We can say hello to forgiveness. We can say hello to mercy. We can say hello to kindness. We get to say hello to the things that God has for you and for me. But hear me, you will only be able to say hello to some things if you're willing to say goodbye to some of the other things. And Elisha understood that. You see, he couldn't stay with his family and follow Elisha. Listen, and this may be hard for some of us. Some of us wonder why God won't use us more. God, why won't you do this? Or God, why won't you do that? I've had those questions in my life many, many times. And sometimes the correct way to look at that is to go to our Father and say, God, what things do I need to say goodbye to so that I can say hello to what you have for me? The idea of goodbye. It's not an easy one, but it's a vital one. Number four, number four, we need to burn our plows. You know, I, I remember hearing this story as a child, and, and, and I don't know about you, and I haven't changed much, honestly, from when I was a child when I read these stories. But I'm like, look, I, I don't, I, there's certain things I don't understand that people do, you know? So in this story, we see Elisha goes to his oxen, and he kills the oxen. He slaughters them, okay? Now, that makes some, some sense to me. I get that. But then he goes one step further, and he burns the plows. He breaks up the wood from the plow, to use to make the fire to take care of the oxen. 
And I remember reading that and seeing that. It's like, why? Why would you do that? Like, maybe give it to somebody, you know, be nice. You know, hey, listen, uh, I had this prophet come and throw a mantle over my shoulders. I'm out. But listen, I got this brand new plow. It's only got about a few hundred miles on it. It's almost brand spanking new. Why don't you take it? You can have it, you know. I won't even charge you for it. Just a free plow. But he doesn't. He breaks it up and burns it. You're, I mean, I mean, you, you could break something up and still use the wood for other things. But when it's burnt wood, it's done. It's done. What do we need to learn here? What do we need to understand? Listen, there are some things that we need to get. And that is when we have been called by God to do some great things for him, there is and should be no plan B. There should be no escape hatch. We live in a world of escape hatches, don't we? We live in a world that basically says, listen, if, if, if she doesn't look pretty anymore and she doesn't do this anymore, there's an escape hatch. Hey, you know what? That, that job, that, that boss is a jerk and he's this and that. And he's taking advantage of you. It's all right. There's an escape hatch. That husband, he doesn't love you the way that he should. He doesn't look at you like the way he used to. Well, don't worry, there's an escape hatch. We live in a world of escape hatches. And maybe, listen, some of them, not the ones maybe I mentioned, but there may be some that are okay. But there should be no escape hatches, no plan Bs when it comes to the calling of God. And what tends to happen is this. It gets hard because we have an enemy that's fighting against us. And it's too easy to be, honestly, at times to go, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the plow. I'm just going to go back. Listen, I was a great plower. <laughs> I can do that. But this, this calling thing, this doing things differently, this having a purpose and a focus, I mean, this is tough because I'm finding some resistance in this. But you know what? When I was plowing, I, I, it was okay. It was okay. It was easier then. Well, here's the thing. When you burnt your plow, you got nothing to go back to. And you go, well, is that good? Absolutely. Here's why. Because whatever you left behind, God has something for you greater. God has something for you greater. But we tend to look behind all the time. Oh, but the, but, 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 but the cows, you know, and we forget something about cows. They stink. He was, he was walking behind a lot of cows. If you've never been around cows, cows do something. It's, they, they, they poop. They stink. My, my grandparents had cows. I remember. You had to be careful. There, was, there were cow patties out in the, the, the uh, pasture. I don't know about you. If you've ever followed cows, that's not a good place to be. But you know what? We tend to think, oh, how great it was. God sometimes has called us, listen, you need to burn it. You need to have a plan B because my plan for you is greater than anything you could ever dream or hope. Remember what Jesus said, whoever believes greater things than even Jesus did. Greater things. Burn your plow. Burn your plow. And the last one, number five, our greater calling should always affect others. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't just take, kill it, and, and, and you know, you would think that in this story, it would have maybe made a little more sense to have a sacrifice. You get it? You know, like you, you always hear the stories and, okay, now we're going to have a sacrifice to God. Uh, Elisha doesn't do that. 
There is still a killing of an animal. There's still an, you know, a fire. But instead of offering it to God, he offers it to others. He says, listen, God has called me to do something. And the first thing that he begins to do is bless others with his calling. Listen, your calling, if you look, and we're going to get to this in a minute, but if you look back to Luke, it's about others. It's about proclaiming good news to the poor and proclaiming freedom for the prisoners and recover of sight to the blind and setting the oppressed free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. The problem with sometimes our callings and quite honestly the callings of our churches is they are too inwardly focused. Our calling is what brings me glory. It's what I want to do. It's how I want to be used. Your calling is not about you. Your calling is about how it affects other people. The spiritual anointing that God gave you was not so that your name would be great. It was so his name could become great. But we tend to live in a world of self-promotion, of of look at me, look at this, look how big, look how great. Remember, God didn't call us to bigger things. He called us to greater things. And the greater things, hear me, that God has for us a lot of times are different from the bigger things that people want for themselves. Sometimes we have to understand Sometimes we have to take the step back and go, who is my calling really affecting? Who is my calling really dealing with? Because Elisha shows us that it immediately began to feed the needs of people. Obviously in a physical sense. But if you know his story, he also is used by God to do some amazing things that also bring people and feed their spiritual hunger as well. We're going to do something a little bit different. And, and I, I, I really, you know, um, I didn't even have a chance really to tell John. Um, I was going to be looking at doing this a certain way, and I feel like God kind of moved it just slightly. And so... I just want, if John, if just you would come up. We're going to have a time of, of, of closing, but, um, and, and typically I know the whole band comes, but I just, just feel like I'd, I'd like to have the band seated right now for what I believe God's wanting to do. And it's not that I wouldn't want you seated, buddy, but I, I can't play the guitar very well. So, But we're going to close. Now, I, I, I had Linda help me with this because if, if I did it, it, it wouldn't be very good. But hopefully when you came in, you got one of these, okay? I know for those that are online, you don't have one of these, but um, you can still be a part of this. You just have to do a little bit more work than us, okay? So if you didn't get one of these, I want you to grab one before you leave. They're, you don't need to get them right now, but they're, they'll be out Thank you, Paul. They'll be out on the, the table. I, I tried to get as many people one of these as I could, but, but please grab one of these. They're under our, 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 our vision and culture stuff. But I want you to grab one of these. And what I've written or what we had typed on here is, is Luke 18 through 19. This is the greater calling that I want you to have. And what I want you to do with this, and I'm serious, 
because I, I found that sometimes we, we tend to forget this, okay? And the reason why we put it on cardstock a little bit and kind of make it try to look a little nice is I want you to stick this someplace that you will see every day. Maybe it's your mirror in your bathroom, maybe it's your refrigerator, maybe it's in your car. I don't care where it goes. Maybe it's in your Bible, you know, hopefully you're using that every day. And we're going to do something here in a minute that may make some of you a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to tell you in love, you need to get over it, okay? Because your words have power. And we need to start working, living in that truth. But I want you to read this out loud to yourself every day as a reminder. I want you to look at this. And you, for those that are home or online, listen, you just need to go get a piece of paper or whatever and you just read right on the top, your greater calling. And then underneath it, just Luke 4, 18 through 19. We, we, we use the NIV, but you can use whatever translation you want. And I want you to read this to yourself out loud every day. I want it to be where you have this thing memorized so in a month I can walk up to you and say, what's your greater calling? And you can just immediately rattle it off because you've said it so many times. Not so it becomes dry and old, but so it becomes a reminder to you every day of what your greater calling is. You say, well, I, 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 but I'm not a pastor. I don't care. Your greater calling is greater than that. And I want you to read this out loud to yourself over and over again. I want you to stop and I want you to do this with me. I want everybody here just to close their eyes. Those that are online too. I want you to listen to the words of what God has called you to. I want you to allow God's spirit to just begin to reveal some things to you. Hear me, listen to your greater calling. The spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Not on just the pastor, not on the varsity, on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Keeping that, that mode of, of just prayer and, and hear me here. The last thing we read is we see Jesus saying and us saying to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Why is that there? It's simple. Because there will be a time when the year of the Lord's favor is over. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where whosoever believes will be saved and do greater things. And so for those that are here, those that are online, I have a simple question. Listen, listen, my calling is the same as yours. My calling is to proclaim the good news that today is the day of salvation, but I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about later on today, but today is the day. And today, if you want to accept Jesus, then you can be made new. If you want to become one of those that believes, Jesus can take all the past 
and all the sin and wipe it away. And you can be made new. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. There it is again. We're going to get to that in a second. That confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If that's you and you pray that prayer, everything can change. Everything changes in that moment. And I want to invite you to do that. Invite you just to say right now, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I am lost without you. I believe, Jesus, that you are God's son. I believe that you came, you lived a sinless life, you died for me, and you rose on the third day. And now I accept your forgiveness. I accept your love. I know you are who you say you are. And I know because you promised that if I pray that prayer and believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that I will be saved. That right now the angels in heaven are celebrating because someone's come home. And it was me this time. But for the rest of us, the rest of us, who have heard these messages over the last several weeks and these greater things and have gone, you know what? We've disqualified ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't know the Bible enough. I don't, this or not, whatever it might be. And they've tried to disqualify. I say to you this morning, you are called by God. The Spirit of the Lord is on you because the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You have been anointed for a great work, for a great calling. And I want to encourage you to take up your mantle that God has placed over your shoulders and begin to work in your calling. Begin to move in your calling. But here's what I'd like us to do before we sing. I'd like everybody here just to stand. And I want you to grab your card. Now, it's going to be up on the screen as well. But as practice and as proclamation, we are going to read the scripture out loud together. Okay? And and can you do me a favor? You know, here in a little bit, a couple hours... There are going to be a lot of people with a lot of gusto cheering on a couple of teams that quite honestly don't matter a hill of beans for all eternity. And in a couple of weeks, we have the same thing. Let's read this with some gusto. Let's read this with some, some truth and knowing that this is God's word and God's word is true and it is yes and amen. Let's proclaim this over our lives because I believe God is proclaiming it over us. So it'll be on the screen. It'll also be on your hand. Read it with me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Father, right now, we thank you for our calling. We thank you that you have looked at us and said, I want to use them. You could have sent angels. You could have sent anything, but you choose us 
You have anointed us. You have called us. You have equipped us. And it is time for us to begin to step into the anointing that you have provided and begin to work to do the calling that you've called us to do. We don't need to be on the varsity. We are not disqualified. We believe and therefore we will do greater things than we've ever dreamed or hoped. Not because of us. Not because of our talent. Not because of our goodness. But because you are with us. And you are praying over us. And you have great things for all of us. We have a great calling. Help us to walk in it. Help us to live in it. Help us to be the difference that you've called us to be in all areas of our life. Let's all just continue standing. John's going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. praise, all the glory, all the honor. It is all about You. It's all about You. God, You're so good. You're so good. Thank You, God, for calling us. Thank You, God, for putting the mantle of your Holy Spirit over our shoulders. And Jesus, thank you for interceding for us right now. Right now. So that we could do great things for you. We love you and we thank you. You're so good, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So again, if you didn't get one of those sheets, okay, we, we, we have them out there, grab one, maybe you have, hey, I, somebody wasn't here, I'm gonna take, grab as many as you want, 
okay? Stick them all over the place so wherever you can see it. And when you see it, remind yourself, read it out loud of that promise of your calling. I hope you have a great week. I love you. We'll see you soon.